All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Aaron, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. You guys on the line, I've got Jim Bovard. He wrote about half the books that have ever been published in the world, including his brand new one that we're putting out at the Institute. Last Rites, The Death of American Liberty, which is, of course, a play on the title of his great bestseller from the 1990s, Lost Rights, about the uh, Clinton regime and its effects. Welcome back to the show. How you doing, Jim? Hey, doing good, Scott. Hey, you know, the uh, Lost Rights, it wasn't just about Clinton. It had uh, Reagan. It had uh, George H.W. Bush. It smacked around Carter. It had some jobs at Nixon. It was talking about uh, abuses of government power across the board. Clinton got whacked, but it was that book came out in 94, and that was at the start of Clinton's rascality. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. You reminded me. Um, but I'm looking forward to write that book, and it's great that you are going to uh, publish it. I appreciate that. Yeah, and, you know, I read the whole introduction already, and, of course, it's great. It's as Bovardian as can be, and uh, really looking forward to publishing that at the Institute, and I know everybody's going to love it. So, um, yeah, man. Uh, let's talk about how corrupt and evil the government is. Um, I've been reading some of the things that you've been writing for the New York Post lately here, and uh, I want to start with the president and his boy and their corruption and that of Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice. Seems strange, Jim, that... Someone could appoint a special counsel to investigate someone as a favor to them. <laughs> but apparently that's what's going on here, huh? Well, it, it's just another reminder that the uh, name Justice Department is often an oxymoron. Got that uh, right. Because it's just, it's so brazen what they have done with the uh, the appointment of, you know, they had a uh, U.S. attorney, David Weiss, who spent five years investigating Hunter Biden's crimes some of the, the crimes are really brazen as far as he had these millions of dollars of wire transfers that he did not pay federal taxes on. And so, I mean, this is, I mean, I don't know how many million dollar wire transfers you've received. Personally, I haven't gotten any of them, but I know if I did, I'd say, you know, I should pay my taxes. But yeah, I guess and if, if you didn't, the they would have your ass for sure. Any of us. Oh, absolutely. Because it's, yeah, because I'm not the son of a vice president or a presidential candidate or a president. Uh, you know, it was not it, there was no gray area here. Uh, but they just but they uh, started the investigation in 2018. If they had brought charges against Hunter Biden in 2019, 2020, um, you know, uh, Joe Biden would not have won the presidency. But they didn't. So so they dragged it out, and the, here it is. And the uh, you know now we're in the shadow. Now the uh, 2024 presidential campaign has started. So they so they set up this uh, set up a uh, set up a plea deal where you had uh, you know you had a um, gun violation because he was a um, he, he was confessed uh, a narcotics user and lied about that to buy a handgun, which he lost. Uh, and then he had all the tax violations. 
And uh, David Weiss is going to say, well, you know, we'll just let him plea bargain it down. We'll give him probation. And, you know, he'll promise to be a nice boy. Um, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. I mean, and it was great that federal judge Mary Ellen, um, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, but Mary Ellen is her first name. She asked a few questions and the deal collapsed. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, uh, that was interesting, right? Like they had added some last minute thing to try to blindside her. And she rebelled against him, huh? It was bizarre. I mean, there was, uh, you know, they, there was the, the plea bargain deal. And apparently on the morning of the uh, the court hearing, July 26th, uh, the Justice Department added this kind of vague paragraph that turned out to give blanket immunity, uh, which was perceived by Hunter Biden's lawyers to give blanket immunity for anything that he had, uh, you know, been investigated for by the feds. So and and that just that blew up like a mushroom cloud. Yeah. And by the way, I got your piece here. It's either Norika or Norika, I guess. The judge's last name there. If people want to look that up. The piece. Okay. At, thanks. Yeah. The piece at the post is called Merrick Garland's latest dirty trick to protect the Bidens. And so, really, this is just a punt. They're just. It's simply a delaying tactic on behalf of the guy who they're supposedly after, who they're responsible for prosecuting here. Yeah, well, and but but this is just typical of, of of how the government works these days. I mean, um, there are over five thousand different federal crimes, and you got all these FBI agents. And if someone like you, who's who's an outspoken government critic, crosses this line or or, or that line, you're gonna have an FBI SWAT team on your uh, front steps very quickly. But uh, if you're the uh, uh, if someone's got political connections. It's not just Hunter Biden. There was a story I did for Playboy in the late 90s talking about how the uh, so many of the uh, children of the um, uh, grown kids of uh, top politicians had their drug charges either whitewashed or simply, um, uh, um, you know, minimized. So they did no jail time. I mean, that was uh, I mean, uh, you had John McCain's wife, Cindy McCain, who was uh, involved in a huge scandal. But that got swept under the rug. And, and if, if someone in Southeast D.C. and Anacostia had done what Cindy McCain had done, that person would have been sent to prison for at least five or ten years. Yeah. Hey, seriously, I mean, that whole thing, I read up on that where it was like a broad conspiracy where she was like suborning others into helping her break the law to illegally get prescription pills. And she'd been some big fat black lady. She'd still be in the penitentiary right now for that. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's. It's outrageous that you have unjust laws that are used to selectively target people who have no political clout. And by the way, the reason I say that is I'm actually thinking of a story that I read about a big fat black lady who was just some and I I don't say that to be mean, but I just mean like she was of low status in the eyes of the state and went to prison for exactly that. In fact, I think the article may have even been comparing her to Cindy McCain years ago that and and it's like, hey, this is a they treat you like you are a drug kingpin for something like that. If you're a nobody and you're from the poor side of town, et cetera. Well, and, and the other wrinkle on that is John McCain was a corruption kingpin. He was almost uh, indicted for the Keating Five, uh, you know, kickbacks, bribery, whatever he took for a, a, a savings and loan swindler that got bailed out by the feds. And John McCain was there pulling strings to uh, save that guy's butt. Uh, but, you know, that got whitewashed. And instead, the media told us that John McCain was a, a pillar of 
uh, ethics and good government. And and the and, uh, and the ultimate proof of that was he was in favor of every war possible. So yeah. he had to be honorable. Yeah, exactly right. I was going to say, you know, our next interview is with Brad Pierce, all about all the Africans who were dying in the wars caused by John McCain and Obama's war in Libya in 2011. Oh, excellent. excellent. And all the consequences yeah, I, I was, spread from that. Yeah, I think there's a story in the New York Times today or just in the last couple of hours that talks about the um, the the Italians that uh, that uh, the New York Times is very worried that the, that the new government in Niger might kick out the U.S. troops. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thinking like, wow, that would be a big loss. I mean, that would be that would be on par with them. Um, um, I need a good joke here. I'm coming up flat, so I'll just shut up. <laughs> no, it's all right. I mean, the point is that the reason that this military coup against a democratically elected leader is so popular is because he is a Western sock puppet. And people want independence, you know? They'll well, take a dictatorship yeah. if it'll give them independence from the foreign empires, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, from uh, from what I've heard, there was just, there's so much more trouble with terrorism now that uh, since since Obama toppled the government of Libya, and it's become a huge problem throughout Sub-Saharan Africa. So, um, you know, but almost nobody nobody in D.C. draws a connection. Well, there was this intervention, and now there is this intervention, and it's like a miracle of God. There is no connection. Yeah, no, that's it's a self-licking ice cream cone. They just keep making more problems, and then it's all to the good. Just like really with any other government program, right, Jim? Oh, yeah. We, I mean, it's, we uh, made poverty it's, or crime or whatever worse than more jobs for bureaucrats to do. You know? Yep. Like like good old Lily Tomlin said, no matter how cynical you get, it's not enough to keep up. Yeah, seriously. All right. So now back to the Bidens here. I mean, on the the bare bones. Speaking of the cynicism here, you got the uh, statute of limitations has already expired on a few of these things. And they're yep. clearly, they have, the gun charge expires in two months, right? I mean, that's what's going yep. on here. This is like, you're talking about a third world country, you know, in Africa where there was a coup d'etat and the sun gets to evade the law. And it's, there's no, you know, all the white marble statues and, and propaganda about George Washington and the Constitution notwithstanding. America's no less corrupt than any of those. Um, and the dollar figures are much higher, so... Well, I don't know that it's as corrupt as, as some of those governments, uh, third world governments. Some of them are just amazingly corrupt. I mean, uh, but then, you know, I, it, the sad thing is this is the trend line for the U.S., that the standards, that it's becoming more and more absurd. I mean, to see what's happened with the Biden family, with the Justice Department, and to see the the level of whitewashing, I mean, it's just, it, it's strange that it, it took a congressional investigation to turn up all the um, uh, the SARs, uh, suspicious activity reports, on the huge wire transfers from abroad to the Biden family and their associates. I mean, you should not need a congressional investigation to expose that because um, that's, you know, that's not proof of corruption, but it's, uh, you know, it's a roadmap. Yeah. Now, I mean, I guess... In America, mostly the corruption is legal and official and built into the system, right? So it's just lobbying, and it's just contributions, and it's just a good hookup with a job with a fat salary sitting on a board of directors after you leave your government job and this kind of thing. So it's not quite as 
Um, brazen. Brazen yeah. is the word you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, like when when Ben Ali, the American sock puppet, you know, backed sock puppet dictator of Tunisia fled. Um, he like fled with tons of gold and like his entire his wife's entire family had to flee because he had given them all of the car dealerships and all of the phone companies. And this just absolute like out of control, uh, you know, blatant thing is it doesn't need to be like that, though, here because the dollar figures are there anyway, without, you know, given the president giving his wife's family direct control over certain monopolies and stuff. Yeah, and uh, this is a trademark of what uh, politicians have done going back. It was a huge problem even back during Queen Elizabeth's reign in the late 1500s in England because she had uh, conferred so many monopolies on her favorites that the that the uh, English people were about ready to rise up against it because it was impoverishing them. So yeah, yeah, that's the way of the world, and certainly the way of this empire. And but it is. Interesting, right? Like, um, I guess, you know, Jared Kushner got some uh, payoffs from the Saudis after he left. Um, I don't know that. I, I guess typically that's you have like Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation and all that. But like, I don't know if anybody ever accused W. Bush or even Obama. I guess Obama maybe got some fat book deals or something. But like, I don't think anybody really accused W. Bush of like personal corruption. Like Bill Clinton gave a lot of big, uh, high cost speeches that were obvious payoffs and stuff like that. Including, I think the day after he left office, he went and gave a speech to Citigroup for a few hundred thousand dollars. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I've seen people talking about you know with Biden. What's remarkable about it is how direct it is in terms of him and his family uh, participating in this, where usually most politicians would stay a couple degrees further removed, find a way to make it look more official and less underhanded. Yeah, yeah I mean, a part of what was surprising to me was Biden, I guess, was it in 2017, he, was, he openly bragged about how he uh, threatened to withhold U.S. aid to Ukraine unless they fired the prosecutor. And, um, I mean, I don't know how much more brazen it's possible for an American politician to get on a public stage, uh, but he said that, and uh, it was basically swept under a rug. Well, you know, the American uh, policy was trying to do the right thing, but it's like, you know, so you, um, so, so you had your son on the board there, on a corrupt board, where he's getting a big, uh, you know, pay for a do-nothing job, basically, and, uh, uh, and then you're bragging about getting the prosecutor fired who might have exposed the wrongdoing by that company. It's like, uh, I don't understand how this doesn't add up for the American media. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had an alternative story, which was pushed by the Atlantic Council and the rest, which was, no, Biden was upset that this prosecutor was so corrupt. And all he ever wanted was for this prosecutor to really crack down on the company that had hired his son for a million dollars a year to do nothing. Um, and, and they, they just wouldn't do the right thing. That's how honorable Joe Biden is. He was like, I demand you prosecute my son's company or else I'll have you fired. And, and we're all supposed to buy that. Well, That's the I guess simplest the explanation. Post, the New York times and NPR, they all bought it because otherwise, I mean, Biden would have been, uh, you know, tarred and feathered instead of, uh, being handed the South Carolina primary, uh, and um, and then abracadabra, all of his opponents drop out in the next 48 hours in 2020. So, um, I mean, there are so many shady aspects here. And part of what's uh, kind of wild is I don't know we've even seen the tip of the iceberg 
on the corruption. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, Scott here for Leo Hamill Fine Jewelers out of San Diego at JewelryStoreSD.com. They do business nationwide. They sell jewelry and watches, specializing in engagement rings. You know, in case you're in love with somebody. They also specialize in one-of-a-kind vintage and antique jewelry, fully serviced pre-owned fine watches, such as Rolex, Patek, Philippe, Cartier, and any high-end brand. Leos also services high-end watches faster and cheaper than going to a factory service center. Leos takes all the stress out of shopping for jewelry and engagement rings, and always at the right price. They deal nationwide over the phone at 619-299-1500. That's Leo Hamill Fine Jewelers out of San Diego. Go to JewelryStoreSD.com to check out their fine selection and to find out more. Hey, y'all, you should sign up for my Substack. It's scotthortonshow.substack.com. And if you do that, you'll get the interviews a day before everybody else. But not only that, they'll be free of commercials. How do you like that? Pretty good, huh? scotthortonshow.substack.com. Hey, y'all, libertasbella.com is where you get Scott Horton Show and Libertarian Institute shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, and stickers and things, including the great Top Lobsters designs as well. See, that way it says on your shirt why you're so smart. Libertas Bella, from the same great folks who bring you ammo.com for all your ammunition needs, too. That's libertasbella.com. Yeah, I mean, that's really true. So much of all this stuff is done in secret. And, you know, I read this thing in the Washington Times this morning. Did you know this? That said, no. well, you don't know what it is yet that I'm ranting about because I haven't said it yet. Um, let I'm me trying see to if be I can, helpful. Let me see if I can page down and find it here. I This was new to me, man. Let me, I'll have to read it. Here it goes. From the Washington Times, the story is called House's Corruption Probe Goes After Biden Documents at National Archives. They're seeking these emails. And it says here, uh, referring to previous reporting by the Times, I guess, the Washington Times, they say the email about the Poroshenko call was sent to Mr. Biden. This is uh, from the Burisma executives. The email about the Poroshenko call was sent to Mr. Biden under the pseudonym Robert L. Peters. Mr. Biden is known to have used other pseudonyms, including Robin Ware and J.R.B. Ware. Have you ever heard that? No, no, I hadn't heard that. Wow. So this is an email that was to the vice president from a Barisma executive where Hunter is CC'd on it. And Biden is called Robert L. Peters in the thing. He's got a fake name. So and, and this is during the time he was vice president? Yeah. Wow. So they're going after the National Archives saying, gimme. Yeah, this is wow. in, again, the, the uh, title of the article is House's Corruption Probe Goes After Biden Documents at National Archives. Okay. And this is, I mean, man, yeah, boy, I think you really hit on something there that we're only just beginning to find out about the extent of this. We might not ever find out the real extent of it. Again, the subject here is they appointed a special counsel to cover it up, <laughs> not yeah, to bury, it, not to get the uh, guy. Yeah, it certainly looks that way because because uh, they have someone who's you know moving so slow, and he did move so slow, and and uh, you know they're saying, well, those got to go to trial. It's like, yeah, you're going to go to trial what December 2024, because uh, you know there's a presidential election that's ongoing right now, presidential campaigns. Biden is doing making all these statements and these speeches as part of his reelection campaign. 
and yet we're and yet we're going to expect the Justice Department to be honest now. I mean, um, there are some honest folks in the Justice Department, and some folks who I assume want to actually uh, follow the law and enforce the law. But you got a number of the political kingpins have just they are calling the shots, and they're not getting the heat from the vast majority of media. They're like, you know, because the media is on the same side, because media is on the hunter on the uh, President Biden side. Yep. Um. Yeah, man, it's really something else. And, you know, I mean, we could have um, Donald Trump running as the nominee, quite likely even now, running as the nominee from his trial or from actual prison if he's already been convicted by then of one of these process crimes. I mean, I read people who are definitely not too favorable of Trump saying that, boy, these charges here are very much like offenses and very dependent on the state of mind of the person saying the thing he said at the time. And this, these are, you know, anyway, and then you're going to have, I don't know, I guess the special counsel won't be in the news. I mean, will just bury that and just, as, as you said, as long as they can wait till December, then they'll just pretend it's not an issue until then. Yeah. So, so keep in mind that the uh, justice department also appointed a special counsel to look into uh, President Biden's mishandling of classified documents, but but that guy has vanished. Uh, that guy is, doesn't even show up on milk cartons of missing persons. So, uh, and it's just, and you know maybe the same will happen with uh, David Weiss now. Yeah, so, they just take those it, stories it, and disappear with them. Oh my goodness, yeah, but 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 it's okay because it's under investigation. Yep, uh, which is also why I'm sorry we can't comment. For another couple of years. Yeah, I, and, and not only that, but but Weiss cannot testify on Capitol Hill, and uh, Weiss's people will. Well, uh, we have to wait till the investigation is over, yeah. i.e., until Biden is reelected. Right. Now, so let's say that we lived in on, an alternative universe where the Republicans even had the courage to stick up for their own interests. Here, could they not just simply impeach this prosecutor? And say that he's fired and cannot be the prosecutor. Uh, I that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know. So th- there are. Uh, my understanding is this was done under regulations uh, written by the Justice Department. One of those regulations is that the uh, special counsel needs to be independent. But David Weiss, excuse me, is still a um, still on their payroll. Uh, the Justice Department payroll still works under Merrick Garland. So they made an absolute joke of that. Uh, so I don't expect them to follow other laws and regulations. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's the thing is if the Republicans really could stand up to this and say, we're not going to let you do this, although they don't have the majority in the Senate. But well, but but it's there is talk of uh, an impeachment effort against Biden. Uh, I'm not um, I'm, my understanding is that a, a major um, benefit of that would be that they could do more investigations. Some of the House committees are doing a good investigations now. They have found some fascinating stuff. Uh, it should have been exposed years ago, but, you know, better late than never. Yeah. So, uh, but, is it, you know, there are so many wild cards uh, on the table at this point. So, yeah. Well, look, I mean. I don't know if you just take the partisan stuff out of it and, you know, I'm not a Trump guy. I don't think you've ever been one either, but, no. um, 
you know, we're just libertarians looking at this. Take all the partisan stuff out and just say, like, we're talking about, like, some time in American history and American cookie-cutter President X was involved in this kind of shenanigans. This is some pretty bad, you know, Teapot Dome, Spiro Agnew type of corruption. The president and his son and extorting the firing of a foreign prosecutor and all these payoffs from you know, uh, foreign government-tied corporations and all these kinds of things, you can see the huge counter-incentive for them wanting to pay any attention to this because for them, all roads lead to Trump's re-election. So anything that's done to weaken the Democrats or admit fault on the side of the Democrats at all has got to be as crushed as possible. But in a vacuum, yep. this is a pretty big story, you know? Yeah, well, it's it's a whole lot worse. Uh, the, the the apparent uh, allegations are a whole lot worse than what uh, brought down Spiro Agnew. So, uh, and it's you know I don't you know a, a lot of Republicans are saying, well, this is worse than Watergate. I don't know. I mean, it's 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 frustrating. It's hard to get good, credible information on how bad everything is because the government's withholding so much. Some of the critics are overstating. Um, uh, what they have and what the, what Biden has uh, allegedly done. So, I mean, there's just so much. There's it just seems like there's a lot more BS in Washington now than there used to be. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of BS, let's talk about the censorship regime. Another great piece that you wrote for the Post: Biden censors battered. Expect an epic Supreme Court showdown. And this is really about two major pieces of good news in a row in the form of one ruling from a judge. And then the second is, um, I guess, not a final uh, decision or opinion being handed down, but the arguments that took place in court on the appeal, uh, if I read you right here. So can you please take us back and tell us what's the issue and what's the big deal? Yeah. So on uh, uh, last week, the federal appeals court uh, heard the, uh, the Justice Department's appeal of a uh, butt kicking that they got by federal judge Terry Dowdy. Uh, he, he gave a decision on July 4th, which he condemned the Biden censorship regime for the most uh, uh, potentially the most massive attack against free speech in U.S. history. And Dowdy had 155 pages of details of how the Biden administration and the FBI before that had actively censored Americans from commenting on uh, social media, uh, on uh, things like covid, on uh, on the election. Um, on other issues, gender issues, gender change issues, abortion. There's also uh, been a lot of censorship on Ukraine. Uh, but so what this judge did is this kind of uh, put a bright red marker on the road and help people recognize, okay, this is not just some vague allegations of the Twitter files. This is systemic. There was, there was a court case um, being led by the Attorney General of Missouri and Louisiana and supported by the new Civil Liberties Alliance, um, pushing forward, uh, exposing, doing a lot of depositions with some of the government officials like Fauci, who were, uh, you know, leading the effort to uh, muzzle Americans from expressing their thoughts or ideas uh, or putting out other facts there. Fauci gave a, a deposition uh, last October, I think it was, and Fauci has always had this, this um, has cultivated this image of being uh, um, absolute knowing everything and the ultimate wise man. But so, so I wrote a story about his deposition and 
so I said, you know, uh, Fauci is omniscient except during depositions. Because like 174 times he said, well, I can't remember. I don't know. I don't have any recollection. I mean, completely weaseling it because on a lot of the things he was asked about, yeah, he'd said on the record before the exact opposite of what he was saying at that point. So, uh, so, but there's, um, it was fun to write this up because the new, most of the mainstream media is downplaying this censorship scandal. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the Biden people are acting as if there isn't a dead body of someone who got censored and killed by the FBI or whoever, then there's really no problem. So, uh, but it's, you know, it's fascinating to see how easy uh, to, to see how so much of the media uh, went to the barricades to support federal censorship. And they're still doing it. Yeah, uh, it's really incredible to see. And, you know, you can understand why from a purely business type model that, you know, it's hard being in the newspaper business right now. It's hard being the legacy media right now. And if they can get the government to regulate their young, new upstart competition away, including every man on Twitter having their say, then they'll do that. They could go back to the New York Times, rather Jennings and Brokaw have the, you know, joint monopoly on American public opinion. Then they'd do that in a minute. And um, and yet and well, I guess we'll see how it goes, but it seems like. This is really already backfiring on them because we can see how much of the legacy media was cooperating with this and promoting this uh, kind of censorship regime. And then there's a lot of resentment that comes with that, you know, like um, this story about how the FBI held that fake, uh, you know, exercise, uh, that tabletop exercise in Aspen, warning all the yep. social media companies that there's about to be some Russian disinformation right before the laptop came out. The laptop that yep. they'd had for more than a year by then. Yep. Well, I mean, there, there's just there's so much um, brazen, um, um, brazen abuses, and it was great that this federal judge Downey tied the uh, uh, pieces together and had it in a, a very compelling whole, and that it's that it forced people to pay attention to the issue. Because prior to that, they were kind of saying, "Well, it's just a handful of journalists. It's Elon Musk. It's this. It's that." No, this is a systemic problem. And uh, what struck me was the evidence from that Dowdy decision, uh, July 4th decision, showed that both the 20 and the 2022 national elections had been tainted by federal interference and censorship. There was a, a definite taint to the uh, 2020 election because there were, you know, there was a systemic, federally funded effort to suppress um, anyone who uh, raised questions about mail-in voting as not being reliable or trustworthy, that was suppressed. And the same for anyone who was trying to raise doubts about the election uh, bona fide. Uh, so um, that was that was a taint. I'm yeah. not saying that the election was stolen, but, but the feds put their thumb on the uh, scale. Yeah, you can't prove the counterfactual, but the way that they just absolutely, the CIA and the FBI, again, just as they had four years before, massively intervening in October to crush the Republicans' October surprise about this laptop that now everyone agrees is legit and all the emails on it are legit and the rest, there's no no credible claim that any of it was faked at all. Um, and has, you know, we have the email from 
the Burisma executive saying, listen here, Hunter Biden and Devin Archer, the reason we hired you is to take care of these prosecutions for us. Now get to work. <laughs> you know, we got that right there. And they buried all of that. And that very well may have been the election there. It's impossible to prove. But, yep. you know, yep. it's and, huge. And, and, though. and even beside that, besides that, the the number one issue that the federal uh, censorship contractors were going after was people raising doubts about mail-in ballots. But mail-in mm -hmm. ballots have been notorious for fraud for decades. Uh, something even the New York Times admitted in 2012. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, all of a sudden, uh, mail-in ballots are sacrosanct, and anyone who has a doubt about them is is a uh, you know uh, neo-Nazi. So of course. Uh, well, and they're going to rig this coming up election, too. I mean, look at what they're already doing here with these prosecutions, which, by the way, have you read all these indictments? What do you think about what they're doing with Trump here? Well, I, I read all the indictments. He's a line crosser. You know, I don't know. They're all just offenses, but they're on oh, the books. My God. Yeah. So the so I, I've been chasing other rabbits. Uh, I got a lot of footnotes to lock up, but that's another story. Uh, but the uh, but the stuff in Georgia. I mean, so it's it's a quandary because I don't trust Trump. Trump has made a lot of false statements. And if, if Trump's team was able to more coherently explain what they had done and, and, and the doubts they had, for instance, there was a um, back in December 2020, there was a, a brief to the Supreme Court uh, on, on challenges, uh, fundamental challenges to the 2020 election result. It was by the Texas Attorney General. That's Paxton, is that his name? Yes. Yes, and it was far more coherent and persuasive than anything that had come out of the Trump White House because the Trump folks tend to make all these wild charges, and some of which, if not many of which, are just completely false. But they also have, sometimes they actually hit on the hard facts, but, uh, you know, but they've, they've shot their credibility to pieces so many times. Yep. All right, man. Well, listen, I'm over time and I got to move on to my next one, but I really appreciate your time, Jim. And I really appreciate the opportunity to publish your next great book here. And um, we're going to be getting to work on it right away. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thanks. Looking forward to work and partnering with you. Hell yeah. All right, you guys. That is Jim Bovard. He is some kind of fellow or another at the Libertarian Institute. And he writes regularly also for the New York Post. And his new book is called Last Rights, The Death of American Liberty. And it'll be coming out, I don't know, sometime pretty soon. The Scott Horton Show, Anti-War Radio, can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. APSradio.com, antiwar.com, scotthorton.org, and libertarianinstitute.org.